Okay, good afternoon again, everyone. Um, I'm Deb Hastings. I direct continuing nursing education here at Dartmouth-Hitchcock, and I'm um, really happy to see so many of you here for what I think is going to be a really excellent session um, this afternoon for our uh, nursing grand rounds. I really want to welcome all of you, and especially the students over there. I like to call you out. Thank you for coming, students, faculty. Um, we want you to get involved in this work early on, so pay attention and think of some nice, interesting questions you can ask. That's for everybody, actually. Um, so um, again, uh, welcome. The program is being recorded and also being live web streamed. Um, so for folks who are listening from or watching from afar, if you have any questions, Judy Langhans is monitoring her email, and you can uh, reach her at judith.m, as in may, dot langhans, L-A-N-G-H-A-N-S, at hitchcock.org. And you must attend at least 80% of this program to receive your credit, and you will earn one contact hour. We want you to know that neither our speakers nor anyone on the planning committee has identified a, fin a financial interest or relationship with a commercial entity or any conflict of interest regarding this activity, and no one refused to disclose. So today, the title of our program is Nursing Advocacy, How You Can Make a Difference. And our learning outcome is that at the conclusion of this activity, you should be able to discuss the role of the nurse as healthcare policy advocate. And we know that nurses make up the largest cohort of healthcare clinicians, and we have long been recognized as the most trusted profession. Our role as nurses extends beyond the clinical setting to many diverse settings, including the legislative arena. As nurses, particularly in this election year, we should take advantage of our position and consider enhancing our presence in healthcare policy decision-making in order to lead improvements that will re result in enhanced patient outcome, outcomes for those we serve. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce our panel of speakers for this session. So starting on the far left is Matt Hood, who's the Vice President of Government, Government Relations here at Dartmouth-Hitchcock. Next to him is Dr. Joni Menard, the Vice President of Ambulatory Nursing here at Dartmouth-Hitchcock. And closer is Carol Townsend. She's our Director of Nursing in the Community Group Practices at Dartmouth-Hitchcock. And right here is Joan Widmer, who many of you may or may not know, but she's the Executive Director of the New Hampshire Nurses Association. And all, and all of these folks have been very involved with this work. So um, please join me in welcoming them here this afternoon. Can people hear me okay? Okay, um, so as Deb said, um, my first topic is going to be why nurses are important and natural health policy advocates. First, as Deb said, nursing is the most trusted profession according to Gallup polls for the past 19 years. 19 years we've been ranked the most trusted profession. Nurses make the largest cohort of healthcare professionals. We are 4 million strong in the United States and 20 million strong worldwide. So that's really quite substantial. Nurses spend more time in direct patient care than any of the allied healthcare professions. We know patients. We know what's important to them. We know their needs. We know their worries. But most importantly, when nurses speak, legislators listen. Nurses can advocate on many levels. 
we can discuss a health policy issue with our families, with our friends, with our colleagues. We can email or call our legislators regarding a health policy issue. We can encourage our nursing colleagues to do the same. We can write a letter to an editor or an opinion piece to submit to a paper um, on a health policy issue, and we can testify at state public hearings regarding a bill that has an impact on a health policy issue. One of the uniquenesses about the New Hampshire legislature is that every bill has a public hearing in which the public is invited to participate, every single bill. And there's a hearing in both the House and if it makes crossover to the Senate and vice versa, depending on which bill the House was initially, I mean, the, which House, the which part of the legislature the bill was initially introduced. So um, I'm going to give you some tips on, on how to speak with a legislator, but first I want to illustrate how, how being a nurse can really make a difference in a bill. About um, eight years ago, I was working as an emergency room nurse um, at a, um, a, a hospital in Manchester, and I was at the pharmacy picking up um, an over-the-counter medication, uh, Sudafed with pseudoephedrine. If any of you have ever purchased this, at the time you have to give them your license, you have to sign into a national database, and they record how many tablets you buy, the location, and the date of that purchase. So I'm jokingly saying to the pharmacist as I'm purchasing this over-the-counter medication, I can't believe it that I have to go to this many hoops to buy an over-the-counter drug, but if I brought in a prescription for Percocet, all I'd have to do is give you the prescription. I was just shooting the breeze with the pharmacist. He said, well, interestingly that you should say that because there is a bill before the New Hampshire legislator, legislature right now for prescription drug monitoring. New Hampshire is one of the few states in the country that doesn't participate. And I went, really? Tell me more. So he explained to me about the program and how it would work. Now, this is back in 1912, long before the first of the significant deaths from the opioid crisis had occurred. So I went home that night, and I happened to have had a former neighbor who was now a state representative, and he represented, I was one of his constituents. So I called him up, and I said, Bill, can I talk to you about something if you have a few minutes? And he said, sure. What is it? So I said, look, um, I've heard there's a bill called SB, I think it was 286. Let me just check my notes. 286. He said, I said, do you know anything about the bill? He goes, well, I've heard about it, but I don't know much about it or why it's important. I said, well, I'd like to bend your ear for a few minutes and explain why, as an emergency room nurse, I think this is important. So I explained to him my personal story of dealing with patients who come in with, with back pain, stomach pain, headache pain. And when we did diagnostic testing, there was nothing that could definitively explain the pain. Yet the physician knowing that at the time, what the patient says is their pain is their pain, and therefore they would be prescribed something. In some cases, it would just be an um, um, uh, anti-inflammatory, but in other cases, they would get an opioid. We often suspected that patients were looking for opioid prescriptions. They often didn't have primary care providers. There was no way to validate the pain issue. So we knew this was happening, but we couldn't really do much about it. So I explained all this to Bill, and he said, let me look into this, and I'll get back to you. So over the course of the next couple of months, he would follow up a phone call to me about every month, giving me the status on the bill. That bill was signed into law that year by Governor, then Governor Lynch. So here I was, just a nurse working in an emergency department that saw something spoke about it, and helped get that bill passed. 
I'm not saying I'm the only one that helped get that bill passed, but I had, I think I had an impact because I was dealing with a legislator who really didn't think this bill was important and he became involved. So we can make a difference. And the nursing story that I was able to provide him makes a difference. So let me talk to you a little bit about the kinds of things you want to do when you're messaging a legislator. First, you want to keep your message brief, one to two minutes, that's all. You want to keep it simple and you want to repeat, 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 because consistency plus repetition equals impact. Make and maintain eye contact and keep your posture open and relaxed. When testifying at a public hearing, don't repeat testimony previously given by other participants. So you just say, I agree with what's been previously said and then only add what you have that's unique. Do not read your testimony. That is the death knell. <laughs> Do not read it. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Submit written testimony that provides a lot of detailed facts if you have them. Don't do that in the hearing. Just give them the brief story. Um, ask question, if you're asked a question and you don't know the answer to, don't panic. It's okay. We don't know the answers to all questions. You just say, I'm sorry. I do not know the answer to that question. Let me look into it and I will get back to you. But then follow up. Always get back. If you're going to commit to getting back to a legislator, follow through. If you're asked a question that leads your conversation down a rabbit hole, particularly if you're dealing with a controversial bill, then what you want to do is acknowledge the question and then bridge back to your, your key point, redirect the conversation back to the messaging that you want. It's okay to not answer a direct question. Politicians do this all the time. So an example of bridging statements are, and in addition to that, let me explain, but here's what really matters, here's why. So, the actual message itself, it's really composed of three simple parts. First, is state the policy issue in one or two sentences. For example, this is a current piece of legislation that we're dealing with this year. Seatbelts save lives, and it's time that New Hampshire enacts a seatbelt law. That's your policy statement, okay? Now you're going to provide three supporting facts, why that's important. For example, New Hampshire has the lowest seatbelt usage in the country. 70% versus a national average of 90.7%. That's a fact. New Hampshire has the highest unbelted fatality rate in the country, 71% versus a national average of 43%. It is estimated that there are 316,000 New Hampshire residents that do not buckle up when riding in a motor vehicle. Those are three facts that are supported by data. Then you give your nursing perspective, your example that brings in the point. So my nursing perspective would be, as an emergency department nurse, I have seen firsthand injuries, the injuries incurred by unbelted drivers. And then elaborate without breaking HIPAA rules, obviously. The key here is that the first two components of this statement are your thinking, your cognitive impact. The last one is your emotional impact. And your cognitive plus feeling creates action. So that's why this little display is important. So that's really what I wanted to talk to you. And I'm going to turn it over to Carol now. Hi. So I'm here to give you a little perspective on if you asked me maybe four months ago if I would be interested in legislation or healthcare policy, I would have said no way. 
Um, I have very much an ICU background and ASC background in the OR and endoscopy. Um, and then I'm in my master's program, and I have healthcare policy coming up, and I'm dreading the class. And once I'm into it, I really enjoyed it. And I didn't understand the impact that I could have or we could have as nurses and how important our voice is um, until I got to meet with uh, our own representative um, from up here, Polly Campion, who is also a nurse. Um, and she spent an hour with me on my topic for my class. I was much more fortunate than many other students who didn't even get a phone call or a return email. I got an hour with her. And I got to stay and join the Commission of Government Affairs for the New Hampshire Nurses Association and listen in on their meeting. And it, it was fascinating how involved, how intelligently spoken everyone is, and how connected they were to all of the bills that were coming up and, and how we could get involved. And I just never thought that I would be able to have that important of a voice. And to put that personal perspective and present that to a senator, to a representative, they have no idea what we experience. And we can make such an impact. Your story, I mean, the things like um, colonoscopies, that was one of the things we dealt a lot with. A screening colonoscopy is covered until you take out a polyp. And then, now it's a diagnostic, and you get charged. That's only going to deter patients to come back for another screening colonoscopy. So until someone get, got involved and spoke up and made it clearly understood, that was continually the process, and more and more people wouldn't come back to be screened. So, but nurses spoke up made the change, made the difference. So now I'm very fortunate. I get to sit on the Commission of Government Affairs. It's a once a month obligation. I get to hear about these great um, upcoming bills and how we can get involved, how important they are. And it's not a burden. I feel like we can do more. Nurses, we can do more. We, what we have to say is important. And for so long, I think we just sit back and we're taking care of our patients and we're doing a great job. Be that voice, speak up, and you'll see how much, how gratifying it is to be able to do that. So I just wanted to bring it to the granular level of just not even thinking what a difference you could make. And that's going to lead me to Joni. Hello, everyone. So my role in the panel here is to share my very first personal experience in testifying at the, um, at the New Hampshire State Legislature, which actually, believe it or not, I've been a nurse for a long time, a nurse leader for a long time, and this just happened for me this past year. So I've always been peripherally involved with the, legisla with the legislation that was currently in the, in the House or the Senate. So I always had an awareness of, oh, they're looking at this bill, they're looking at that bill, whether it's helmet safety or seatbelts or PDMP, you know, whatever the issue is. So I, I would say that I wasn't a legislative, um, I wasn't unaware, but I never you know, it was like one of those things that just I never found myself in the position of having to go and testify. Um, and it always felt a little scary to me. And I'm not afraid of public speaking. So it didn't, it had nothing to do with that. It was an unknown. It was like, I've never really gone to the state house and I've never, you know, testified. So 
Um, so that was sort of my, you know, kind of just like, okay, you know, Joan's got that. I know she's at the state house or Matt, I know Matt's there. So, you know, and I just say, you know, I'm here if you guys need me kind of always hoping that they wouldn't say we need you. <laughs> so, so last year, um, there was a bill, a house bill, I think, um, that what that was intended to, um, de-license nursing assistants. So today, nursing assistants are licensed. We gotta make sure I get this right. And, the, and there was a time when they were certified and in lots of countries, in lots of states across the country, they have certified nurses aides and not licensed. But in New Hampshire, we had made a change years ago to require our nursing, our LNAs to be licensed. And with that comes a higher level of education higher level of training and a higher level of monitoring and oversight. So essentially, you know, very similar standards to being a nurse, that we are held to ethical standards, we are held to practice standards. Um, and there was a move, again, you know, not like an evil movement, you know, there was a movement to, because of the challenges that our state has with our healthcare workforce and our workforce in general, so it didn't come from a bad place. It came from, you know, nursing homes and hospitals who have difficulty recruiting certified LNAs and felt as though if we lowered the standards and the requirements and the licensing fees and things like that, that we would be able to um, increase our workforce. So again, if that's not a bad, like nobody was had bad evil intentions. I think what, what struck me was I don't think that they're thinking about the unintended consequences of what this means. And on many levels, you know, I talked to a lot of um, LNAs in our organization here who felt and feel a sense of pride, that they are proud that they're licensed by the Board of Nursing to do the work that they do. And they felt that it validated their, their work and their passion and commitment to our patients. So that was one. And then, um, you know, when I thought about the, the Board of Nursing. So I went back and looked at what is the what is the mission of the Board of Nursing? And the mission of the Board of Nursing is to protect the health of our public, to protect the public. That's their, that's the mission, if you want to cull it down into three words or four, protect the public, protect our public. So um, it just didn't feel like the right thing to do for me. So I'd like to say that I did a lot of research on this. I have to give Amy Eilertson, who is um, not in the room today, but Amy is one of um, my closest colleagues that I work with. And Amy is really good at the things I'm not. So I'm good at public speaking. Amy is much better at detail. And any of you that know her know that she's that person you want. So, so she did all this research for me and did this beautiful document that had the licensing, the oversight, I can't even remember all of the, all of the different categories, but to put together this beautiful objective document that listed the differences between an LNA and a CNA. And so I had that in hand and I went to the state house, Joan was there, um, and, um, and I, it, all the things Joan said are true, so I introduced myself um, and what, actually Polly Campion was there, so it was nice to have a nurse sitting on the other side of the table, but two of the legislators were not nurses. No, actually, um, Senator Ruth Ward is a nurse. She's an APRN. Okay, so there were two of the three of them that were. So for my first time, it was probably a little bit, the, the path was probably a little easier, <laughs> easier to get through. Um, at any rate, I 
uh, did a short presentation. I talked about the facts to Joan's point about the licensing um, and the requirements. And then I talked about the emotional piece of it and how I believe that it's nurses, that we care for the most vulnerable patients. Like that's what we do. We care for patients who can't speak for themselves often. We care for patients who are vulnerable and need our care. And I, and I connected that to, they expect us to have high standards and to take care of them and connected it to, you know, if we, if we de-license nursing assistants, I worry that we will not be providing the same level of care to our patients. So I might have said a little more than that. I might have gone over my two minutes, Joan, because I'm not really good at that. Um, but they, um, it was a great conversation. They were unaware. I will tell you that even the nurse, not Polly as much, but they were not aware of the details. So they don't get all the information. They get a bill in legal writing that set that has it listed and they don't really always understand the implications of that or what it really means. And so it was it was very rewarding to be for me to be able to speak in front of them because it was a, a topic I'm comfortable with and they do respect nurses. Um, anyway, long story short, Governor Sununu declined or whatever the right word is. It was, it, this was actually a, if you don't mind my no, please. interjecting, this was actually, this, uh, where, where Joni spoke was actually a sub, um, a, a, we, when the bill was initially introduced, it was to move forward with the decision to transition from a licensed nursing assistant to a certified nursing assistant. We, the New Hampshire Nurses Association, lobbied heavily with a bunch of other stakeholder groups like the Home Care Association and the Long-Term Care Association to say, no, we need to go to study on this. So they, they created a bill for a legislative study committee, which is comprised of three legislators, two from the House and one from the Senate. We were very fortunate to have two nurses in that study, that the legislators on that committee. This hearing that Joni um, spoke at was a hearing for this study committee, and the study committee voted three to zero to not move forward with that decision. So this is a situation where nurses advocating on this issue had a big impact. Um, Joni did a phenomenal job. I mean, I was blown away by the level of, of information that she had pulled together. It was just slam dunk. Um, we also were really fortunate. We had put out a um, a call for an LNA to come and speak about it. And I, I, I struck gold. We had a passionate LNA there about how important the sense of professional pride came as a result of being licensed. And that just spoke between the two things. It just spoke loudly and clearly to this committee that this would have been a big mistake. And, and I will say that LNA was fantastic. I tried to recruit her to come here. She, she might, she might work at a hospital in the South, like in the biggest city in the South. Huh? Oh, good. So anyway, I tried to get her to come here, but it seemed like a little bit too far for her to travel, but I did, I did give it my best effort. Um, but she was fantastic. Also very passionate and not emotional, like crying emotional, but emotional, like this is really important. Um, so anyway, that was my first, I, I suspect that it might not be my last, um, but that was my first um, interaction it, or testifying in front of a group. So um, it was, you know, like, woo, felt like we won. And I'm sure there'll be times where we'll test, I'll testify and it won't go as well, but I'm not willing to accept that. So <laughs> I'm going to turn it over to Matt. Thank you. Thank you, Joni. Um, 
So uh, I'm not an RN, uh, but um, vicariously I feel like part of the group. My mom was a certified nurse midwife, so um, at Dartmouth-Hitchcock. I uh, didn't stray very far. Um, I think my role on the panel is to talk about the institutional position of Dartmouth-Hitchcock in advocacy. I think you heard from the others on the panel about their kind of personal experience with it to, to demystify it, I think, a bit for you. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to demystify it a bit further for you um, before I jump into talking about Dartmouth-Hitchcock's government relations team. Um, but before I do that, uh, who lives in New Hampshire in the room? Okay, how about Vermont? And then other. A couple others. Okay, where's the other? No, where? Alabama. Alabama, awesome. Okay. <laughs> Spent a year in Birmingham. It was awesome. But lived there. Weather's perfect. Anyway, um, okay. Uh, do people know how many members of the New Hampshire legislature there are? There are 400 members of the, the House of Representatives. Uh, there are 24 members of the Senate. If Congress had a uh, similar proportional representation, there would be more than 99,000 members of Congress. So it's an intimate, right? It's an intimate body. You run into your representative in the grocery store, literally. Um, in Vermont, it's a little bit different, smaller, more manageable numbers, but likewise. How much do they get paid? Does anyone know? $100. They get paid $100 a year in New Hampshire. So uh, it's a citizen legislature. And the reason that I say that is to emphasize the point that's been made a couple times already, which is, you know, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing, right? They're not experts in any particular arena. And I say this with a large degree of comfort because I served in the legislature in New Hampshire. I didn't know what I was doing in lots of those spaces. I certainly didn't know about healthcare. Um, and so you rely on subject matter experts. You're the subject matter experts to inform that. The problem is, I think, that getting people to go and testify at all of these hearings because there's so many bills and so many hearings. There's over 1,100 bills every year that are introduced and in New Hampshire, every single one of them has to have a hearing. It's crazy, crazy. Think about the volume uh, that, they, that they take up. Well, so, yeah, they don't tell you when the hearing's gonna be until the week before the hearing. Yeah, I, I think it's, you have, they have to give 48 hours notice. So, you know, good luck with your scheduling with respect to that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, Joni, I think was um, being a little bit disingenuous when she was saying, you know, I, I didn't really want to go because Joni was a fantastic advocate. I think she was concerned that we'd keep asking her to go. Um, we have and we will continue to do that. Um, I, know, I know we're gonna have a moment or time at the end to do a little q and I hope, but I always just want to tell people, please interrupt me as I go because I want to answer your questions. I want this to be fulfilling for your time. So I can go anywhere that you want to go with respect to government relations um, as my colleagues on the panel can. So um, I'm just going to keep going here. This is my team um, in government relations. There are three of us uh, for the system. I work in, um, in Lebanon. Uh, and I work in Montpelier and Concord in terms of where we advocate on the state level. Allison in the middle is down in DC. She's a former health policy staffer for Senator Shaheen. Um, and it, she's been a tremendous um, addition to our advocacy because well, I'll talk about this in a minute, but think about all the federal regulations that impact healthcare as well as uh, regulations and laws on the state level. And Courtney Tanner is the newest addition to the office. She lives in the southern part of New Hampshire and spends lots of time uh, in Concord, and so now we really can be in two places at one time, which is fantastic. So I just wanted to let you know who, who we are. Um, 
what do we do, right? I, I, I think it's easy to remember that by the four R's, at least we can't think of anything better um, than this to be um, catchy. We spend a lot of time thinking about reimbursement, right? We want uh, adequate reimbursement for the health system uh, and the providers that provide that care. Um, anyone want to guess where New Hampshire ranks in terms of Medicaid, which is a state program, state federal partnership program, um, for uh, lower income people in terms of reimbursement for hospitals? 51, right. Uh, it's, it, they literally rank last. Um, and so we care a lot about um, not having that gap grow even more, frankly, in terms of reimbursement for the system. Um, and we obviously care about the private insurance market too, but I won't dive down that rabbit hole. We care about reform, um, right? Everyone's familiar with the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, however you want to describe that, um, and 10 years of proposals to change it and amend it, right? So we spend a lot of time in that space to make sure that um, the, the reforms that are being proposed are going to be good for our system and our patients and providers. Regulation, I know, we, I know you've heard about the legislative process, right? And that's certainly an important place where um, – uh, activity happens, i.e. laws happen uh, that affect healthcare, but the regulatory space, i.e. Health and Human Services, CMS, um, on the state and federal level, and all of those regulations have a dramatic impact on healthcare as well, right? It's not just the laws that gets passed, it's the regulations that get passed that flesh out those laws that we care about. And finally, research. We're an academic medical center, right? So we have providers who are uh, also researchers, and um, we care a lot, therefore, mostly on the federal level, but also on the state level about dollars that flow into the state and into the institution to do research. I'd like to say, at, sorry, I'd like to say at bottom, what we do is we advocate for the system, the patients we serve, and the providers that provide that care, and against things that we be, would be bad for it. That's it. It's pretty simple. It gets really complicated if I start to unpack it, but as a basic kind of what do I do, that's what we do. Okay, uh, we talked a little bit about where uh, health uh, policy is created. It's in each branch of government, right? So you have, I talked about the executive, i.e. the administrative branches, legislature, obviously, and these are the experiences that you, my colleagues have talked about. There's also the judicial branch, right? There's been lots of legal challenges to the Affordable Care Act and other pieces of legislation. Um, I'm not going to dive into this, I promise. Don't get scared. Uh, all it is is just saying it happens on a lot of levels, federal level, state level, local level, and then institutional and, and internal level, right? How many regulations and policies are there within Dartmouth-Hitchcock, Joni? A lot, right. So, you know, you can affect policy in that space too. Uh, I won't go there. This is like the combination of that, those previous slides, right? Legislative, executive, judicial, federal, New Hampshire, Vermont. These are government relations priorities for the Dartmouth-Hitchcock system. Your voice matters. This has been said, I think, three times. I want to say it a fourth time. Um, I think I'm going to repeat myself because I said at the beginning how important it is because the subject matter experts are you. You're the ones who are informing that conversation as to, the as to the unintended consequences of legislation, as to the intended consequences of regulations and legislation. Um, and, yes, you're like the tops in terms of um, the respect of the uh, legislators in, this, in the Gallup poll year after year after year. I won't tell you where lobbyists fall, which is really low. I think it's lower than, than car salesmen, and I think it's lower than Congress people themselves. But that being said, that's the other thing, actually, I'm glad I decided to make fun of myself, because they hear from me all the time, right? I'm, I'm in their offices all the time. 
they don't want to hear from me. I mean, they have to hear from me, but they want to hear from you and have your voice inform that conversation because it's more, it's more intimate, it's more connected, certainly more informed. Um, and so I would just encourage you to keep that in mind. Uh, just in case you wanted some resources for, okay, so I heard about this, where do I go to find it? Uh, I'm sure the slide deck will be available, so you, I won't, we don't need to spend time on it, but there's state and federal resources that you could go to. Um, this is another policy, actually, that helps guide not just my work, but employees of the institution. So we have a political activity policy, believe it or not. So when, when Joni wants to go in and speak to, right, who knows? I try to advertise this as often as possible. When, when, when Joni wants to go in or, or we want her to go in and say, hey, look, could you argue against the CNA um, legislation? You can wear your Dartmouth-Hitchcock hat. Like, say you're speaking for the institution. If Joni just wanted to go in and it wasn't something that the institution was particularly following, we'd say, go ahead. Just don't speak for Dartmouth-Hitchcock, if that makes sense. It is a little – I just have to interject. I, you know, I – it's hard to disconnect yourself from the organization when you're well, you know, when you're in a higher level position in the organization like I am. So I remember saying to Karen Clements, who's our chief nursing officer, now I'm going to go and testify at this hearing, but I'm, I just want you to know that I'm testifying personally, like this is my personal opinion. And I believe that to be true, but it really isn't. So it, it's just a little bit, it's a, it feels a little funny, like I have a foot in each canoe, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm there, I'm a well-known representative of DH. I mean, I, I'm, it's well-known probably by a lot of people here. So it, it feels a little bit odd to say I'm testifying personally. I don't know it, how they, I don't know if they would say, oh, she's not testifying on behalf of DH. So I'd be curious to know what I, they. I, I've done the same thing. I've gone in, we, we have bills that we follow and um, we do a legislative town hall forum every year. But those bills get the sanction of our board of directors. So occasionally there'll be a bill that'll come forward that I'm interested in as an individual um, that's not necessarily sanctioned. So for instance, last year there was a bill to add uh, dental care coverage benefit to the Medicaid program. I'm the daughter of a dentist, the mother of a dentist. I did my master's thesis on oral health care. So it's kind of a topic I know about, and I'm a um, subject matter expert. So I went to that particular hearing and testified as an individual. So all I do is say, some of you may know me for my role with the New Hampshire Nurses Association. I'm here today speaking as an individual who is a subject matter expert. And then I present my testimony. So you can easily do that. It's it. They do associate you with with the program, but as long as you're stipulating and and um, Senate meetings are documented, there's actually minutes taken for a Senate, not so much for the House because, as we know, there's so many of those. Um, but um, you know, it, it at least there you're on public record that you're not representing your organization. I think too in the past I've called folks uh, at home or and I, I and I'll say that I'm a nurse but I don't necessarily say that I'm a nurse here at Dartmouth Hitchcock so the, you know it's it's contextual and I'm not the voice of Dartmouth Hitchcock during that conversation yeah well I can't go into the state house without being known who I am because I spent a lot of time there but it's a little more challenging well it's not always clear so to answer your question and then but we're a resource and actually it's a nice segue it wasn't even planned um, this is just contact information for me and my team. So you should, if you have questions, right, you should feel free to contact us and ask us how to navigate a space. That's what we're there for in many ways. Um, so 
I'm going to, I want to pause there, but before I do, and I think this is because of something that Deb said at the very outset, which is, you know, it's an election year, um, and I wanted to describe our engagement, not just in the lobbying for policy space in Concord, Montpelier, and Washington. Um, we're a nonpartisan office. We don't, uh, we can't, as a 501c3 nonprofit organization, um, support one candidate over another candidate or one party over another candidate. It's really important for us to retain our impartiality in that space. But that doesn't mean that we can't educate people in the Dartmouth-Hitchcock community about the candidates, give opportunities for them to come and give their pitch, as long as we're giving an open mic for everybody to come and give their pitch, and give some questions about, okay, ask them how they're going to address this healthcare situation. Give them your perspective um, on this. And so <clears throat> I would be remiss if I didn't say, you know, the New Hampshire primary's come and gone. Uh, for the Vermont voters, that's today. Um, so hopefully, if you haven't already, you will on your way home. Um, and um, of course, there's an important general election in 2020. So vote. That's, that's another way of expressing your voice, using your voice in this context. I'd like to share a similar resource. Last year, um, we're a constituent state nursing association affiliated with the American Nurses Association. And up until last year, the American Nurses Association from 1984 to last year would, because they have a political action committee, endorse a presidential candidate after the primaries but before the general election. However, um, because nurses come from all walks of life and all different political perspectives, there was a significant constituency that felt that endorsing a candidate was not always the best avenue to take. And so we revised collectively um, the policy, which we now call a presidential engagement policy. The whole purpose of this is to educate nurses on politicians that are running for public office. So there is um, there are links on our website, which is nh.nurses.org, nh.nurses.org. It's, it's public, it's available, which will link you to the ANA website for their nurses vote section. And there you can dive into what are the different candidates' position on bills that relate to health care issues. You can actually see how they voted on ACA if they were in the legislature at the time, those kinds of things. So that information is available. There's also a handout over here which has the national legislative priorities for the American Nurses Association. Feel free to pick one up. And then there's a resource handout that we have similar to the one that Matt was showing you online, which, again, it's all public. We don't we have very few pages that are members-only pages because we feel our role in the healthcare advocacy space is for all nurses, members or non-members. So all of that information is available, but there's a whole legislative advocacy toolkit out there, how to write an op-ed, how to, who, how to contact your national congressional representatives. All of that information is all embedded on that website. So questions, comments? Volunteers. <laughs> Good afternoon, Joan. So, yeah, um, you know, thank you for sharing your stories. And it's true that we can really uh, make an impact and big difference because I had the same sort of similar experience when I did my DNP about the nursing health policy, which I was totally um, have no idea about it until, you know, it's there. And so, yeah, I contacted Sen um, Senator Gillibrand. So, yeah, when I was in New York and they invited me to that, you know, state house, and it was very, very scary. But yeah, yeah, it was a good experience though. And so yes, yeah, a healthcare professionals, how can we get involved and 
I'm interested because we have, we have, you know, we can help our community and um, as part of the military, I know that we're not allowed, there's some guidelines. How can I do that to help out with our nursing profession because we're not allowed to, well, you know, I just wanted to get some guidance. I don't want to be in trouble in the army too, so yeah. So the, the I think the question was, can, are there, can you give me some guidance on the parameters around advocacy? And then my question back to you would be wearing what hat? So if it's wearing a veteran, is it, are you an active duty? Uh, You're reserve? Okay. Um, my assumption, my guess would be, I see vets every day uh, testify in Concord and, and in Washington on matters that are important to them. So, um, you know, you could touch base with your reserve leadership to make sure that you can navigate that space. And then in terms of here, you could certainly contact either our Office of Government Relations, uh, or I imagine you can contact Joni too, and she'll guide you in that space. As in terms of venue and how you find out about what issues are percolating, I mean, I, I view this in, in two ways. You can be proactive or you can be reactive, right? Proactive is you identify a problem, you take it to your team, you take it to a legislator that you know and say, here's this problem, introduce a bill to fix it. I mean, it's as simple as that, literally. Or you come to us and you say, we have this concern, can you help us navigate a fix? Great, we know how to do that. Legislative sessions, at least in the state level, are January to June. Uh, and so you want to be pre-January if you want it to be for that session most often. Um, and then I would say uh, the reactive is I'd go to the um, Nursing Association's website and see the list of bills that are actually posted that are coming up for consideration in the legislature. Or you can go to our website, and there are links. I, I think I put them up there earlier that show a listing of all of the bills that have been introduced by topic area. So of the 1,200 that get introduced annually, we probably follow 200 as an institution, right? We're not, we can't follow all, uh, we don't have the resources to do that, nor do we have to, because they're not all applicable to, from my perspective, hospitals, from Joan Nursing. Um, and so, uh, and when I say hospitals, that includes workforce issues. That includes our staff, I mean, it's, there's a lot of overlap and stakeholder, um, alignment that takes place uh, in those spheres. So I, I just wanted to add that note. And, and I would just add that the New Hampshire Hospital Association's website, they also keep a, a list of bills that they're following. And often it's a, a good amount of their bills are similar to the bills that the New Hampshire Nurses Association are following. But there may be some that are more financial in nature because it's the hospital association. Yeah. But that's also another good reference for bills that would be relevant to us as nurses and caregivers. For the most part, the Nurses Association tries to collaborate with the other big stakeholders in the state in the healthcare space. So that's the Hospital Association, um, the Home Care Association, and the New Hampshire um, Health Care Association, which is long-term care. Um, so we always try to coordinate our, our legislative advocacy with them. We don't always agree on every bill. I mean, there are times when we disagree, but but it, that's rare. Um, we also work with a lot of coalitions. So, for instance, this year we're working with the Seatbelt for All Coalition to help pass a secondary seatbelt law in the state. We're the only state in the country that doesn't have at least a secondary law. Secondary means you only can get ticketed if you're stopped for another reason, whereas a primary is you can get pulled over for not having a seatbelt on. We're also working with Tobacco 21 to raise the smoking age from 19 to 21. We know that's happened nationally, but we also want to pass it at the state level because the national law can change and we want to keep it 
at 21 in the state. We're working with Unchained, which is trying to raise the minimum age for marriage in the state from 16 to 18. Um, so there's a lot of, we deal with a lot of health policy, public health uh, space type of stuff. We don't necessarily are, we're not the lead on those bills, but we spend a lot of time supporting them and getting our members to in, get involved. Uh, thank you. Um, I think you just answered my question. Um, when I heard you say that somebody gets paid $100 a year to sit in a room and make decisions about or that affect nursing, it just made my hair <laughs> stand on end. So I was going to ask, how can we find out what these bills are? Because um, as nurses, we are great advocates. We just don't know uh, what's out there. Um, so you answered my question. So actually, also, I would add that this session here today was the first step in, um, you know, Matt and I had, had a conversation after I went to the State House and testified. I'm like, how do we get this information to our nurses in DH? Like, how do we, in, how do we engage, you know, a, a team to be interested in working on these issues? So this was sort of step one in that process was, you know, just having an awareness conversation. And, you know, I would love personally to see us have a group of nurses, however that's called, however we organize it, you know, who would be interested in, you know, in following and participating and speaking on behalf of our patients and us. And it does, Deb, to your point, uh, frustrate me that, that these are, they're making really important decisions in some cases in, at the mm -hmm. state house with little to no knowledge. And that and that, and that's not, you know, that's where we have an opportunity to help educate them. It isn't their fault, for lack of a better way to put it. It's that there's, you know, 1,100 bills every session that they can't possibly know everything about for $100 a year. <laughs> so anyway. And there are bills like things that we know we'd like to get involved in, but again, we're, we're a small organization and relatively strapped. Like one of the things that got brought to us, which we'd love to get involved in, just simply don't have the resources, is the um, members of AOWAN, the um, Association of Women's Health and Obstetrics and Neonatal Nursing said, do you realize that um, uh, stores that sell baby paraphernalia, cribs and such, still sell bumpers, yet the literature says bumpers are suffocation hazard for, for newborns, and that why, why do we allow these to be, continue to be sold here in New Hampshire? And we thought, wow, that would make a really interesting piece of legislation. A lot of uphill battles because it's going against commerce. Commerce is a different, difficult committee to get through because it's impinging on free trade, and you know we are a live free or die state. But those are the kinds of things that, that should and could be addressed by nurses who can come in and bring the, the research, the evidence that supports the fact that these are not safe, and yet the public is completely unaware of this information. That's just an example. Jill, can you just briefly talk about the government relations um, council, or, or maybe Carol? Yeah, I, I'd be happy to talk a little bit, and then Carol can talk about it. She's a new member. We have um, a commission on government affairs. Um, and that is a group that meets once a month. It's on the fourth Tuesday of the month. It's, that's not published anywhere on the website, but it's always the fourth Tuesday. And anyone's welcome to sit in on a meeting. If you want to actually get involved and have a vote, then you can file an intent to serve and, and be appointed to the committee. You can also phone into the meetings. There's always a conference line capability. Um, but basically, we sit around and we talk about 
initially in the October, November timeframe, what bills are coming forward. The, the way the legislature works is a, is a representative or a senator puts in a legislative service request. It's an LSR is what it's called. And it's just a bill title. It, it's like a placeholder that says, I want to file a bill on this particular issue. So one of the bills we're looking at is um, um, can um, the um, public member preside over hearings for the Board of Nursing. Um, so we don't know what the language is at the time. We kind of comb through the 1,100 bills that are coming out and select ones that we think we want to pay more attention. When the language comes out, then this commission sits down and reads the bills and determines whether this is something that we have a, want to have a stake in. We will then present 10 of the bills at our legislative town hall forum, which is in January, um, which we do via webinar uh, broadcast across the state. We have different gathering sites. And we allow the participants, the nurses that participate in this, to voice their priorities legislatively. Uh, we then also have a whole slew of bills that we watch and follow. We're not going to invest as many resources into testifying. We also have a legislative advocacy committee. There's actually four of them. One's in public health, one's in maternal child issues, one's on um, mental health and behavioral health, and then the last one is licensure issues and kind of a clue for all others. And you can participate on one of those subcommittees. And what your role there is that you write a letter, you phone your your representative, you talk about the issue that we're these are the bills we're following. So you participate in the advocacy of space, but you don't necessarily come to the monthly meetings. It's kind of a as needed. We post on our website every, uh, I usually get it up Friday night or Saturday morning, all the activity for the past week that happened, whether a bill had a hearing. I post the hearings coming up for the next week. We also have a now texting service where anyone that's interested in receiving texts on bills, they can get a text message. These are the hearings that are coming up next week. Those go out on Friday afternoon or, or um, sometimes Friday morning, depending on when we get the, the schedule. So we try to keep all of our membership that's interested in being involved participative. Um, activity slows down, so if you're kind of like don't want to do stuff in the summer, this is the ideal commission to be involved in because they go on hiatus in June and July um, because there's no legislative activity. Once the, the bills are approved or, or, or ITL, inexpedient to legislate, then you, they go into hiatus um, unless you have a budget session and the governor decides to take forever to sign the budget. But those are the kinds of things that we do. So it's a great committee, it's all volunteer, and you can participate remotely or in person based on choice. Hi, Joan, you answered some of my question. If I, like if we were interested in um, getting involved, are you saying that we go on to the website and there on that website is a place where we can go, I wanna be involved in the government committee and we just send in a message or and then the meetings are once a month, and you said um, that they are, like, I don't have to travel down to Concord. like the Or not. You can call in. You yeah. can call so in. So this is what I did. So when I, when I was doing my class, first of all, this is a really interesting part of my, my class. We had to have a meeting with an elected official. I was thinking, I'm never going to meet with, like, a governor or senator or mayor. You just, you just don't think you're going to be able to do something like that. And so my subject was all about suicide prevention in the school system. And, um, and so how unaware I was, there was already a bill signed <laughs> by Governor Sununu to actually institute a suicide 
prevention program in all New Hampshire schools, um, and that's supposed to be implemented July of 2020. So mine was just kind of supporting that and moving on into like a little bit more of the details of it. But I tried reaching out to all school board members in my town's high school. One of them emailed me back four months later. That, and then no, I haven't heard from any of the others. But Polly, through Joan, I was able, let's see, I'll back it up a little bit. I went to the New Hampshire Nurses Association yearly meeting, right? Mm -hmm. And then that's how I met Joan, connected us, I, and you connected me with Polly Campion. And I got a meeting like in a week with Polly and had an hour to talk to her. And then I sat in on the Commission of Government Affairs meeting and I thought it was so interesting. And they asked me if I would be interested. And of course I was thinking, I don't know how I'm gonna manage, adding one more thing. But then found out it's really not gonna take up that much more of my time. And I went to the website and there is, there's a link if you wanna get more involved and you can choose either a coalition or you can choose the um, Commission for Government Affairs and you're actually filling out a form um, requesting to serve. Yeah, there's a section um, on the website, it's it, the navigation panels on the left-hand side, it's blue and there's a section volunteer and it has um, information about the commissions and some of the task forces we have, which those task forces are short-term, they happen for short periods of time. Um, and then there's a new page that's got volunteer resources that, so if you could read a job description, a, well, position description about what it means to be a member of the Commission on Government Affairs. So you can read all about that. They're all PDF documents you can download. We, the only caveat we have is to participate as a volunteer in the organization, you need to be a member. We allow anyone access to the website, but you need to be a member to be volunteered because you have to kind of abide by the, the, the mission and the vision of the organization. So that is a one requirement, but you just complete an intent to serve, it takes three, five minutes, um, and submit it, then if it's outside of the election cycle, which is in the fall, I take it to the next board of directors meeting, they review it, and basically we appoint anyone who's really interested. We, I've yet to turn away a volunteer because I know how valuable they are, so if any of you are interested, just please let us know because we'd love to have you work with us because, you know, numbers count in this arena. I just wanted to take the opportunity to thank Joan for coming up here from Concord. Um, we really appreciate it. Sure. And it's nice to have your friendly face here. So thank you. We're, we're all here. So, but, so thank you for coming up and speaking with us. Most welcome. I, I, I always enjoy coming up here. This is a, a great system and really the nurses here do great things. So it's a pleasure to be here. Any other questions? I was going to add one other thing, unless there's a question. But um, I also got to attend at the, the State House the legislative breakfast with the New Hampshire Nurses Association. And, you know, you're thinking this is going to be intimidating. I don't know. It was not intimidating at all. Met senators. They were so interested in nursing. We all sat down and they asked, like, every question. Explain to me from all the different levels of education for nursing assistants, LPN, RN, APRN, you know, all of that, what, what years of schooling, what can they do, what can they not do, all, hit tons of questions. And of course, you know, then you're like, what is this for? And so I, oh, I need this information for a committee. I'm like, well, if you need a nurse on that committee, you know, just like, so that you make sure that we continue to have a voice, but it was not intimidating at all. They were very excited to have nurses there. We also got to interact with school nurses and hear what kind of concerns they have, the upcoming bills that are related to them. Just, it, 
It's really fascinating. And I never thought I would think it was, so. And it's free. It's free. <laughs> Any other questions? Forward an email when there are, are important, um, because you're on the um, committee, would you let the rest of us nurses know when we should pay attention to something? I mean, I'd be interested in yeah, we could, we advocating for what needs to be done. We'll talk about how That'd be great. That. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Thank you all for coming. There are 